Have you open up your Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 14. This is, is a passage and a Bible story that God really has made a, a bit of a, of a theme for, for my family as, we've, as we started on our survey trip back at the beginning of 2019 and then as, as we've been on deputation and our mindset as we go over to the field. I, I love the, the example that, that the Bible gives us of the, of the character of Jonathan. It's awesome. My wife and I actually, just a, a few months before our survey trip happened, as we were planning out the details, we were spending an evening. Girls were in bed, and we were, we were staying up and looking at plane flight tickets, stuff like that, just really hashing out some of the details for their survey trip. And we got to talking about where we'd been in our devotions. And it turned out we didn't know it, but we'd been around the same part of the Bible in our devotions. And there was a specific character. And even in this, a specific passage, this passage, that God had just really laid on both our hearts as just something really significant that we needed to internalize. And as we talked, talked through it, and it became even more meaningful because God had made it meaningful to each other, um, it, it's, it's become a theme. And I've just fallen in love with the story and the passage and, and the mindset that Jonathan has. I think it's, it's good for us to have, but it's good for just believers to have, especially in, in the days that we live. So we'll start our reading in, in verse 1 of chapter 14. But before we do that, let me, let me pray. Dear Lord, would you please be with these next few minutes that we spend together, Lord? I ask that you would give me the clarity of mind and the ability to, to convey the truth of your word as it's intended, Lord, and that, that everyone in this room, Lord, children to adults, that, we would, that we, we would hear from you. That's what we need tonight, Lord. And in, these, in this crazy world and in these crazy times that we live, Lord, help us to, to have the mindset and the attitude and the heart and, and the faith that Jonathan did in this story, Lord, and how you used him and did something great, Lord, do that in our lives, not so that we can feel good about ourselves, Lord, but so that you can get the glory. We love you, Lord, and I praise you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So verse 1 of chapter 14, it says this, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, Saul is the king of Israel at this time. Um, he's, he hasn't gone completely off the deep end, but he's, he's getting pretty close at this point in his reign. Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the Philist over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. So, so Jonathan and his armor bearer, they they are in in the middle. And if we were to, to look back in chapter thirteen, Israel is in a battle with the Philistines. They were constantly feuding and fighting with the Philistines. Sometimes they had the upper hand. Sometimes the Philistines had the upper hand. At this point in time, though, the Philistines were really we're whipping up on the Israelites. Um, the Israelites were not in a good place. Uh, if, if we were to read back, we would see that, that essentially hardly anyone even had weapons. They were, they, were, they were filing down and sharpening farming utensils in order to fight. And a lot of them were hiding. They were, it was, they were in a bad way. The Philistines were really just were, were, were dominating them. And so they were in a bad place. And Jonathan, he, he turns to his armor bearer one day. I, I even love the, the, the phrase. It says, now it came to pass upon a day. It's like, it's like it just strikes him one day. He turns to his armor bearer and he says, hey, let's go over to this garrison of the Philistines. That's on the other side. But he didn't tell his father his plan. He was kind of doing this. And it wasn't because he was trying to be sneaky or, or disobedient. But he really just wanted to see if God would do something great in this situation. So let's keep reading. It says in verse 2 of his, his father, and Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah. So he's in a completely different part of the land under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And then there's some, 
some long names that I'm not going to try to pronounce there. <laughs> and, and it says in, 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 in the end of verse 3, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. So no one knew where Jonathan was. They didn't have any idea that he was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. So it tells us where this garrison is. The garrison is basically just a fortified position. So there's this group of the Philistines. Seth tells us later there's about 20 of them in this fortified position, and there's this sharp rock on one side of it and a sharp rock on the other side so they can kind of see the land that's around them, and they're in this position where they really can't be assaulted without, without knowing what's going on. So it would be a very difficult position. Positions like that, they were designed so that a few men, just 20 men, could hold off a good amount of people. So it was a very strategic position that, that Jonathan comes up on. And it says in verse five, in, in verse six, and Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So, so Jonathan in verse 6 is, is, is what has become one of my favorite test, verses in the Old Testament. He turns to his armor bearer and again and he says, let's go over to the garrison of the Philistines in, in verse 6. And then he says this, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And I, I love what Jonathan says and, and the heart that he has that's revealed in, in his plan and the plan he comes up with. Jonathan, he was, a, he was a, an incredible soldier and he was, he was a, a warrior, but he wasn't cocky in this passage. He didn't look at his armor bearer and say, come on, armor bearer, we're going to go and whoop up on some Philistines. He wasn't cocky or arrogant. He wasn't like, oh, we, we've got this. But, but his heart and his, de his desire and his attitude is this. He said, let's go over to this garrison. It may be that the Lord will work for us. And, and then he says, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. When, when, he, when he says there is no restraint to the Lord, that, that essentially what that means is God isn't limited by anything. He's not, he's, not, he's not hamstrung. He's not tied down. There isn't anything stopping God from doing something incredible, whether it be with just a few people or many people. There's no restraint to the Lord. And, and Jonathan's attitude, it's not cocky. It's not arrogant, but it's faith. And he realizes, you know what, armor bearer, you and I might not be too special, but you know what, God is able to do incredible things. And he can do that with just a few people or, or many people. There's no restraint with God. He's not limited. Yeah. E even, even in this position where Israel was in, as, as we'll see in a moment, the Philistines are making fun of him. A lot of Israel is just hiding. They're, they're, they're hiding for their lives. They're getting whipped up on. They're dominated. And despite despite the fact that it really feels like Israel's on their heels and they're backed into a corner and there's really no hope of them coming out of this situation in a good way, Jonathan still realizes that God isn't limited. Right. He wasn't limited by the circumstances. It didn't matter that, 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 that Israel was on its heels. It didn't matter that they were, they were getting dominated by the Philistines. Jonathan realized that, that there was no restraint with God. And you know, a lot of times as Christians especially nowadays, lately as, as, we, as we see across the nation, churches are being, being told that they have certain restrictions on how many people can meet there. In some places they're being told they really can't meet at all. And, and as we see the virus and as we see all of the craziness and the, and the rioting and the looting that's going on in, in, our, in our big cities and, and, how, and how, like the book of Isaiah says, that things that were once good are now called evil and the things that are evil are called good. And in a lot of ways, we can feel like we're on our heels and we're getting backed into a corner. 
corner. But you know, despite how desperate our circumstances may seem, despite how desperate the circumstances may seem in England, in a place where over 50% of the people don't even believe that either God exists or you can know who it is. You know, despite that, Despite the circumstances, there isn't, there's no restraint to the Lord. Right. He's not limited by the circumstances. He's not, he's not tied down. And, and that was what Jonathan realized. He said, let's go over. Let's see if God will do something great with us because there's no restraint with God. And, and then his armor bearer, I love his perspective. He says, I'm with you, Jonathan. Do all that is in thine heart. And then, and then verse 8 and 9, it tells us his plan. It says, then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. Which, which that, that's kind of fun. He basically says, we're going to go over there, and we're just going to, we're going to tell them that we're there. I mean, he wasn't, once again, he wasn't cocky. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't, he wasn't scheming at how he could somehow sneak up on him and, and slaughter them all in their sleep. He basically said, we're going we're gonna to show up, and we're going to say, hey, here we are. We're going to discover ourselves unto them. Um, and, and then he says this in verse 9, if they say thus unto us, so if once they see us, they say, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we'll not go up unto them. So he said, if, if once we discover ourselves, if they say, you stay there, we're coming to you, then that's what we're going to do. We're just going to wait and we're not going to get cocky and try to take matters into our own hands. We're just going to do that. He said, but if they say unto us in verse 10, come up unto us, then we will go up for the Lord hath delivered him into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. So he said, after they see us, if they say, oh, why don't you come up here? He said, well, then we're going to take that, that God's opening up a door, essentially. And he's saying, go and take it. The, 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 the victory is yours. So he comes up with this plan. And it's, it's, not, it's not scheming. It's, it's not incredible. It's basically him just making himself available. And that, that same attitude of God's incredible. He can do incredible things if he wants. Let's put ourselves in a position so that he can do something incredible if he wants. And if he does it, praise the Lord. But no, if they tell us to stay there, then we're not going to get cocky and take matters into our own hands. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to allow God to be God because there's no restraint with God is his attitude. And then he says, he says this in verse 11, it tells us what happens. And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. So they just popped up from behind one of the sharp rocks there. And, and it says, and the Philistines said, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. And they're, they're making fun of them, basically. They're like, oh, look at the Hebrews. They're climbing out of their caves, like little gophers popping up out of the ground. And, and, and then they said to him, and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. They're basically like, hey, son, why don't you come up here and I'll show you a thing or two. And then, and then Jonathan looks over at his armor bearer and, and he says, come up after me for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. The, the Philistines were like, oh, what a bunch of losers. They're finally coming up out of the grounds. They're like, oh, why don't you come up here? We'll, 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 we'll learn you know, something. But Jonathan looks over at his armor bearer and it's the sign that they had said they had agreed on that this was God's sign to them that he was going to do something great. So he said, let's do this. God's, God's given us the victory. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, it says, and feet in verse 13, and his armor bearer after them. I mean, and once again, this kind of gives you an idea of how this was totally the Lord. This, this isn't a story about the, the prowess and the, the, the warrior-like mentality of Jonathan. I mean, he was a warrior, but I mean, they're, they're literally climbing up to the position. If the Philistines had wanted to, if God wasn't in it, they could have just shot him down or, or, or just clonked him on the head as soon as they got up there. But because God was in it, they climbed up there and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within, as it were, in half an acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. So they climb up there, 
and because there's no restraint with God to save by many or by few, and because of their attitude of faith and just making themselves available, God, God enables them to kill these 20 men in this fortified position that was really designed to hold off a large group of people. And, and, and God does this incredible thing, but it doesn't even end there. Look at verse 15. And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. And we're not going to read all of it, but we'll read a little bit more. It says, And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked. So the, the, the position Saul was in under that mulberry tree, they started to look out at the Philistine army. And, and it says, Behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. So, so a after this, this event, and once again, it wasn't because of something Jonathan specifically had done, but because God used that, the faith of Jonathan and his willingness to just make himself available, that was the, a linchpin and a catalyst for God doing something even more incredible, and the ground began to quake, and the Philistines essentially turned on each other and started beating each other down. And, and we'll stop our reading there, but, but finally Saul and the Israelites who've been hiding, they, they come out and they start chasing the Philistine down, and, and God gives Israel this incredible victory, and what was, what, was, what was a situation that looked desperate and dire as they were on their back heels and they were in a corner and they didn't have weapons turned into this incredible victory for Israel in a, in a, in a day and a time that God gave them deliverance. And, and, and you know, it all, it all started by, by, God using, by God using a couple men, Jonathan and his armor bearer. It wasn't a, it wasn't a couple cocky guys. It was just a couple men who realized that there's no restraint with God, that they served an incredible God who was able to do incredible things. And, and, and they didn't say, well, because we have an incredible God, therefore I'm going to scheme and I'm going to wheel and deal until I make something happen in my own strength. No, they said, you know what? We're going to make ourselves available to that God. And if he opens up a door and he shows us that he wants us to go forward, then we're going to do it because God's able to do things like that. And God did it. And not only did those 20 Philistines die, but the battle was turned and God gave great deliverance to Israel. And it was an incredible story. What started as, as, as them being in a, in a desperate place and, and in a strait turned into a day that they had victory because two men were willing to just make themselves available and to, and to show their faith in, in the, the greatness of their God. Amen. And you know, that's what God wants to do in all of his believers' lives. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, that God doesn't want you to have any problems, but, you know, even in times where we feel like as, as Christians, maybe we're backed up against the wall and, and culture's turning on us and, and, and people don't want to hear about the gospel and people don't want to hear about God and they don't want to hear about morality anymore and they don't want to hear preaching and, 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 and we're prone to maybe dim our witness a little bit at work because, because it's so countercultural, more so than ever now, and, and people will think that, that, we're, that, we're, that we're bigots or that we're racist or we're all sorts of things just because we believe the Bible. But you know, regardless of how much on our back heels it feels like we are, it doesn't change the fact that we still serve an incredible God. And, and you know, he isn't, he isn't hampered. He isn't limited by our circumstances. Regardless of how bad a place it seems like we might be in as Christians, it, it does not change the fact that God is on his throne and he is able to save by many or by few. And, and, you know, it doesn't take a group of people that are cocky and think they know better than anyone else. It just takes people who are willing to make themselves available. And when God opens up a door to have the faith to step through it, and, and sometimes that means handing out a track, or sometimes that means maybe giving a little bit more to your church during a hard time, or it might mean sharing the gospel with a coworker, even if it doesn't seem like they're open to it. But, but it's not because, because you might be the best soul winner, or you might be the richest person, or you might be the most talented. It's because you serve a God who isn't limited. And you know, by, by God's grace, 
whether or not my wife and I get to see an, an incredible deliverance in Manchester, England, we know one thing, that God's called us to go over there and, and step through the open doors that he's opened and make ourselves available because he's not limited. It doesn't matter that we're going to be a family of four in, in, a, in the southwest quarter of Manchester that represents over a million people. Because, because God isn't limited to save by many or by few. And it doesn't matter if you might be the only Christian at your workplace. Or, or there, there aren't many people at your school who, who believe in God. Maybe, maybe the teachers don't even agree with you. Regardless of how, how dark the world around you may seem and how small your light is, God isn't limited. There's no restraint with him. And he wants to do great things with his people. He wants to do something with, with, with children, with teens, with, with young people who, who are just willing to, to step through the doors he opens and to show faith and say, you know what? It might not be popular, but God isn't limited. And he can do great things with many or with few, even with my life. And it, it, it might take a, a father or a mother who's just willing to stand up for truth. And even though it's not popular to teach their kids what the Bible says about morality and about, and about gender and things like that. Because God's not limited to save by many or by few. And you know what? You may, you may never have that, that Jonathan-like experience. I pray that you do. But there's no telling what God will do with your kids. Right. You know, I, I wish my wife were here. When she was 11-year-old, her, her, her dad died. And they were faithful members of a, of a Baptist church out in Tulsa where she grew up. And due to the grieving process, her, 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 her mother fell out of church largely. And her older siblings did. She was the second youngest of five. And it was just her and her little brother. And, and a, a few faithful members at Eastland Baptist Church, people like Ron Dye, who was, who was just a, a man who, who spent literally his ministry was just loving on kids and picking them up and bringing them to church. He and other people started picking up my wife and her little brother week in and week out. And that turned into years. And they started bringing them to youth group and, and teen soul winning. And, and my wife ended up going off to Bible college. And we met. And, you know, by God's grace one day when we're out in England, as my wife is pouring her life into people. It's, 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 it's going to be in a large part due to faithful people like Ron Dye and Mama Five Ash, a lady who realized that my wife didn't have church clothes. Every once in a while, she would hang up a new church dress in the church closet for her. My, my wife didn't know until years later that it was her doing it. And people who were just faithful to where they were in life that realized that, you know what? I don't maybe feel like I have a lot to offer, but, but I can pour my life into this little girl and her brother who need it. And you know, by God's grace, one day, as we're off in England, not because we're special, but because God's great. I don't, Brother Ron dies in his mid-80s now, and, and, and bless his heart, every time I see him, he gets a little more feeble and frail, and he can't drive a bus anymore, but he still just loves on kids whenever he can. By God's grace, whether he's still here or, or, or passed on to heaven, like it says of Abel in Hebrews chapter 11, though he be dead, yet his life is going to speak. You know, because he realized that it didn't matter how insignificant picking up a little girl and bringing her to church seemed, because, because God isn't limited by that. He's able to save by many or by few. And he wants to do that in our lives, not so that we can feel good about himself, but so that he can get the glory. Right. You know, we read the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, and it's incredible. But I, I don't come away thinking to myself, well, Jonathan was like the best guy ever. He, he was just willing to, to believe that his God was as incredible as he was. And so God got the glory and the deliverance and the victory that he gave Israel. And, you know, so, sometimes when we're the most backed up against the wall and we're in the most dire situation, that's when God is, is able to get the most glory. And we can look at times like this as desperate as they seem and as, as countercultural as it is to be a Christian now. And we can look at it as an opportunity for our, our God who isn't restrained to do something great in our lives because he is not limited. So, so 
as, as I close, I'll close in prayer and then I'll turn it over to Brother Martin. I just, I just encourage you, have that mindset like Jonathan and his armor bearer did. Not one of, of cockiness, because the world doesn't need to see another group of people who think they know better than everyone else. <laughs> that's, that's what everyone in our world does. They, 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 they insult all the people who don't agree with them, and, and they, they always talk about how much they know. What, what the world needs to see is a group of people who believe that their God is incredible and, and, that, and that he wants to do incredible things with them. And as he opens up those doors, have the faith to step through them, not because, because you, have, you, you have all the answers, but because God isn't limited. And if we'll do this, who's to say that he's not going to do something great? Because there's no restraint with him. And whether or not you get to see the, the deliverance or the huge victory, this side of heaven or not, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that, that, that God wants to use you. Let, let's pray. Dear Lord, help us to be people of faith, Lord. You told your disciples that it just takes faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, Lord, to move mountains That's not a statement about, Lord, our faith. That's a statement about how incredible you are, Lord. Lord, it's so easy in these times, even as we feel like the children of Israel were backed up against the wall and there's not a lot of hope, Lord. It's it's easy to become discouraged and, and Lord, to to, to not see how things are going to go our way, Lord. But, Lord, regardless of that, thank you for reminding us that you're not limited, Lord. You're not, there's no restraint with you, Lord. You're able to do incredible things with just a few people who are willing to, to make themselves available and, and, and go through the doors that you open up for them and, and be salt and light where you've left them, Lord. Whether that be right here in, in Dublin and Mayfield or, Lord, all the way over across the Atlantic Ocean in Manchester, England, dear Lord, you're the same incredible God that Jonathan and his armor bearers served. Help us to be encouraged and remember that. To, to keep our focus not on the, the desperate situation but on the incredible God that we serve. Lord, I I ask that you'd be glorified in our lives as we, Lord, follow you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen.